Chapter Thirteen of the Sorrows of a Showgirl: A Story of the Great White Way, by Kenneth McGaffey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The show gives its opening performance, and Sabrina scores a great personal success. She speaks at some length of the kissing craze and makes several comments on the time she had while out of town. Are you coming to the opening tonight? began sabrina the showgirl before she had given her order i don't know if you can get a seat or not because the management is tired of having the same old gang out in front and have donated about two-thirds of the house to the ladies at the martha washington for they know more about a real show than anybody because they read the dramatic page of all the fashion magazines and the other third of the house will be taken up by the dramatic critics and their friends we had a great opening in hartford the theatre was crowded four rows back the first act went great but we couldn't tell how the last one went because nobody but the author and composer stayed for it and they are a little partial i scored a great personal triumph and the way i read my lines was not only greeted with applause but with laughter in fact i made such a decided hit that the prima donna who by the way is worse than the first because she drinks had the manager take my lines away from me and give them to somebody who could not read them as well if i wasn't afraid she would blackball me for the p w l i would raise a kick the idea of an old frump like that letting professional jealousy interfere with art after the performance that night the author got busy and rewrote the whole second act and had it all ready by the time we landed in washington do you think we get a chance to rush around and mingle with the congressmen and other such truck not on your life it was to the show shop for us and do the big rehearsal all day and we only had time to slip out and soak up a sandwich and get back in time for the evening's performance i changed my tights from blue to pink for the first night and scored another personal triumph so much so that the soubrette made it a point to stand in front of me every time she did a number with the chorus she belonged over on the other side in front of the glonisgon's creature in order to dress the stage and the manager jumped all over her for moving the show went big that night and the next day some of the critics spoke favorably of it I don't care what they say, it's a good show, and as the plot has been almost entirely eliminated, it should go well here. After rehearsing all day Tuesday, we were allowed to walk up and down Pennsylvania Avenue and get acquainted. I met a gentleman who said he had been introduced to me in New York, and he certainly treated me grand. We went over to the Willard for supper, and he just tossed the menu toward me, careless-like, and said, Go to it, kid. Talk about your southern gallantry. A bunch of these near sports will rush a girl into a feed shop, and they have no more than got seated at the table before he will commence talking about the big dinner he's just had so that the poor thing feels like a burglar if she eats anything more than a couple of lobsters but not this percival he frankly admitted that he hadn't had anything to eat for a week and scratched no entries i wish these new yorkers were that way nothing personal dear but they have become so callous defeating the merry mary that they have the big eat dodging stunt down to a science the only way to get more than a two-dollar, including wine, feed out of most of these moss-covered pocketbooks is by blasting. Why, I have known certain parties to adopt the subterfuge of going out to telephone and then beating it to avoid paying the check, thus leaving the poor feedee to pay the bill or wait longingly for a friend to show up on the horizon. A gentleman who will pull off a deal like that is not worthy of the confidence of one of our sex. But, understand... I am not by any means damning the whole male sex, for I have met gentlemen who threw the lid of their grouch bag in the gutter and didn't care if they ever found it again. Those is the kind of parties that has my trust. Me grub, and I got money in the bank? Sure I do. 
I got to keep in training somehow, so if I did lose my inheritance, I wouldn't be out of practice. Wilbur don't blame me for it. He says that the object in life of an agent and a chorus girl is to plant everything they can get their fins into whenever they can, for it don't last long, and the good people ain't healthy. And goodness knows I sure do need my health, for though I appear to be a strong, robust creature, I am a frail woman. Wilbur can moan and groan around with a hangover for a couple of days, but I have to be right on the job all the time, with this smiling face and laughing eye thing, or he would seek some other place for sympathy. Why, many a morning I have spoke light and happy words of cheer to him over the phone, with a tongue as thick as a boardwalk, and the inside of my knob yearning to burst loose and flop around in the cool morning air. Do I caper up to the transmitter and sob, Oh, darling, I fear me that I am not long for this earth. Never! I take a long drink of ice water, and when his, Is this you, kid? comes over the wire, I chirrup back, real bright and gay. Right-o, kiddo! And when he says he don't believe he can live through the day, do I suggest that we die together? Not I. I tell him to forget it, and go downstairs and have George mix him up a mug full of the hair of the dog that bit him. That shows the love of a good woman. Was you at the chorus girl's ball last Saturday night? My, I would hate to cast any reflections on the judges, but their choice certainly was bum. Still, I suppose they are old men, and not up on the modern 1908 rules on oscillation. In their day, when a young man imprinted a chaste salute on a dame's alabaster forehead, he was supposed to go into a fit of delight, but not according to this year's book. Now they clinch with a stranglehold, and stick till one or the other drops from exhaustion. I did not enter the contest, for I am not a chorus girl. I am a show girl, if you please. What's the difference? Five a week. This kissing craze is getting to be something scandalous. Not that I object to it, but I blush to think that the time-honored customs that were once performed in the front parlor, with the gas turned low, is now used in contests and numbered as a feat of strength. Wilbur and I went to the ball together, and as soon as he struck the hut, he wanted to rush right over and run a few trial heats with the contestants. But the easy way with which I made him change his mind was a joy to the eye. He said to me as we went in the door, I think I will toddle over to the paddock and see if the fillies are in form. He was making a wild rush to check his shawl when I mentioned casual-like, as if I wasn't noticing myself saying it. You know that I am an added starter. Bing! Skyrockets! Wilbur goes up in the air and comes down all spraddled out. What? He pipes, as soon as he got his breath. My finance bride billed to appear in a hugging handicap? Not yet. Sabrina, you certainly do jag my jib to think that you would enter into such a deal. From now on, our trail parts. Oh, I don't know, I said. What sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. And if you pull off any stunts, you can figure that I will be in the running. And that goes as it lays. That was no nice language for a lady, but it put the brakes on Wilbur's oscillatory aspirations so quick that he stopped with a jolt. He cancelled the date, and we went up into the box and stood in the receiving line for wine agents. Wilbur knew that he had to stand hitched, or I wouldn't let him go to the 23 Club dinner tonight. He has been training for the event for the last two weeks, and he says that he will be able to outdistance the bunch before 4 a.m., and you know that's going some. It's a pity they wouldn't let us women in on their feed deals. They go out and fill up on beefsteak, while we have to stick around and drown our sorrows in a cheese sandwich. And goodness knows that while they are nourishing, they don't give you any new ideas. I only hope our show is a success, for if Wilbur and I get married, every penny will help, 
and I don't want to lance my personal fresh air fund for anything more than a bridal veil. Wilbur and I are just like two doves, but I am taking no chances, for press agents are fickle people. With all due regard to Wilbur's feelings, I must say that the agent of our company is a dog. He had the nerve to come up to us girls and want us to beat it up and down Broadway with signs, boosting the show on our backs. A doll would stand a swell chance in Jack's with a big sign reading, Go see the abused cruller at the folly on her vertebrae, now wouldn't she? Can you see me as the walking three-sheet? I make exhibition enough of myself on the stage, without prancing up and down with one of those things tied to my fluffy ruffles. I just had an awful time in Washington. One of the girls that dresses in the same room with me came in with one of those crying buns on, and shed so many weeps in my makeup box that I had to put it on with an atomizer. I did all a human being could do to bring her to, rubbed her hands and slapped her face, but even then she was in no fit condition to appear. Go on she would, in spite of my prayers. And what does she do when she comes tripping on, blithe and gay as a schoolgirl, but stumble and do a slide on her profile halfway across the O.P. side, just as the tenor was starting the chorus to his song, Bevy and Little Children. He, being a nervous party, springs a blue note that got the musical director hysterical, and he forgot to give the bass drum man his cue, and the whole thing went to blazes. It was lucky that the stage manager was making a date on the dressing-room stairs, or what she would have got would have been a plenty. You know Laura O'Toole, who was married a few weeks ago? Well, she is again a widow. Her husband got a job with a road show. She was thinking of wearing mourning, but her husband staked her to the price of a new spring suit, and she said that conventionalities could go on hang, as she had a shape and was going to show it. I don't blame her. Why let grief put it on style? Gee, it won't be long before summer, and then we will get our salaries reduced. That's the trouble with the people I work for. Every time they get a success here in town, they start to reduce salaries. If the company would stand for it, we would be owing them money every week before the end of the season. They think a girl hasn't nothing to do but ride around in an automobile and look sweet. Well, me to get on the war paint. Say, have you offered your services for the Friar Festival yet? Well, you'd better get on the job if you want to consider yourself classy. So long. Oh, you know the ushers will hand flowers over the footlights if you just tell them who they are for. Bye-bye. End of chapter 13